Welcome to Local SEO Today. On this podcast, John Vong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover challenges and successes in business ownership. Our goal is to provide you with insights into the entrepreneurship journey and give you tips and advice from real experience. Brought to you by Local SEO Search based in Toronto, Canada. Thank you for tuning in to Local SEO today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the episode. My guest today is entrepreneur, speaker, and author, Ryan Vett. He launched his marketing firm at just 14. And in 2019, he launched Boon, a software application for the healthcare industry. Thanks for joining me today, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me, John. Yeah, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about your journey. Uh, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about how you got started, why, why did you start such an early age, right? And how did you get started at that time? Absolutely. Well, like you said, my, my first, what I would call real company uh, was at age 14. It was a, a marketing firm and we had the opportunity to really work with nonprofits in about 25 different countries with over 200 clients. Uh, and I remember going down to the courthouse uh, with my dad and we had to sign paperwork uh, to start the company and he had to co-sign everything because as a 14-year-old, you have no legal right to, to do that. Uh, but really, it started before that. It started with a lemonade stand. And I joke, uh, people think, you know, that's, that's what everyone's done. And it is true. But long story short, I tried to advertise my lemonade stand in uh, the Chicago Tribune or Daily Herald, one of the Chicago newspapers, and uh, found out that it was way outside of my budget uh, for that full-color back page ad that I wanted. Uh, it was like 50 grand a day or something like that. My lemonade stand had uh, maybe 50 cents a day uh, to market. So I, I did what any entrepreneur does, and I started my own newspaper. Um, and that lasted a whole one or maybe two issues, wasted all my parents' computer paper and ink. Uh, but it did happen to land on the desk of someone who owned a local business, which is where I got into design at a young age. Um, and that's why several years later, I opened up uh, that marketing firm. So that's really how it truly started. Um, and it, it was uh, just the, the desire to uh, make a positive change, make beautiful designs, make the best lemonade in town. And I, I was all about trying to figure out the best recipe. Um, and it sounds funny, but that's, that, that's kind of how I got my start. So even beforehand, uh, before that moment, I wanted to ask you, like, did your parents actually um, have businesses themselves or how did you get into this kind of entrepreneurial mindset? Yeah, I, I, uh, neither of my parents have businesses of their own. Um, and I think I've always been encouraged to pursue that. If I ever wanted something, uh, my parents would encourage me to figure out a way to get it um, in a constructive way. That wasn't like a punishment by any stretch, but it was you know, challenging my imagination and so that was uh, definitely part of what inspired it. I think it's partly how I'm wired and how God made me. I think it's part of my DNA that uh, I, I like to create things. I, I mean, I would sell anything. Um, I, I got in trouble at school so many times for buying a pack of Orbit gum from Sam's Club. You know, it was like 15 in a box and, sell, and it was like seven bucks. So I'd sell them each for a dollar and that's 50% margin. I got in trouble for that. I got in trouble for making school t-shirts with the school logo on it without permission from the booster club. Um, and not that I was trying to do anything wrong. It's how you learn that there's laws and rules and things you have to abide by. So they were all good lessons, but, um, you know, I always, I always wanted to just create and sell and, um, not really to rip people off and make money, but I, I enjoyed the process of creating and imagining, and I had to make money off my ideas so I could do the next one. 
That's awesome. So your upbringing, um, obviously, your parents uh, raised you to be curious, right? To be creative, to try different things, and I guess that's how you're molded, right? Today, did your do you have siblings? Do you have friends that are very like minded as well? Do you surround yourself with people like that? Yeah, I've got a younger brother, um, and he and I actually have the privilege of working together on one of my endeavors. Um, and one of my craft beverage lounges that I own with a partner. So uh, that's fun. He has always worked with me on various projects that I've had uh, for better or for worse. Um, so, sometimes I think he enjoys that my, my crazy side there to start and try new things. Um, and sometimes I think he tries to run away from it, which is probably the wiser of the two options. But he, I would also say, is very much um, driven uh, finishes things, takes risks, but his risks are very different. Like he hiked the whole Appalachian trail, um, and started out alone and he met people along the way, but he had all intense intentions of through hiking by himself. So, uh, you know, it's that same sort of drive just manifesting itself in a different way. So that to answer your first question about my siblings, uh, I do have the younger brother. And then, um, my, my friends, I grew up with friends that usually were my employees. Um, <laughs> For whatever side project I had, they would help me clean cars at the car wash or uh, sell lemonade with me. Or I had a line of trading cards I called Pet Galaxy that I thought I could overtake Pokemon with uh, back in the mid 90s. But uh, so I, I didn't surround myself with people like that, but I usually brought them into it uh, since then. Um, I have a lot of friends who have no interest in business like I do. And I think that's very healthy to balance me out. Um, and at the same time, I do have a community. I always say there's three people you need in life. Um, those that have gone before you, so mentors, um, those that you can run alongside with, those are people who are in the same stage of life. Sometimes that's personally, um, sometimes that's uh, financially, sometimes that's in business. Uh, so I surround myself with people in different categories there. Um, and then people behind you in life that you can mentor because I find, um, and so I'm an adjunct uh, instructor. I have a couple uh, high schoolers and college students that I mentor. Um, and I find that when I talk to them or they ask me a question, I have to think about something I have not ever thought about why I did that decision and whether it was the right one retros retrospectively. That's awesome, man. Um, and then in terms of like schooling, what did you study uh, after high school, for instance? After high school, I went to Elon University um, and it, just an incredible experience there. Um, and, and I still have the opportunity to serve on the Entrepreneurship Schools Advisory Board. Um, just a, a wonderful school, wonderful people. The best part about it wasn't the classes, um, and don't tell them I said that, uh, but it, the reality is, and I think anyone would say, it's the college experience, right? It, it's uh, the people you get to meet and interact with and the things uh, you have to do for the first time and uh, just managing your own schedule. And I had the advantage of doing a lot of that through businesses, uh, but that was managing a business and it, it I, my managing my personal life was not really something that uh, I, I had learned. So I think uh, that was huge, but I, I studied marketing. Um, my degrees in uh, it's a business administration degree uh, with concentration in marketing sales and um, an unfinished minor in psychology, which I do regret not finishing. Um, so that's what I did for, for undergrad. And then I've done, uh, you know, various programs here and there, uh, not degrees, but certifications and things at Cornell and Harvard business school and things like that over the years. That's amazing. So uh, out, after your schooling, um, what was your first kind of gig afterwards? Did you start running your own business or did you actually work under someone? Yeah. So my uh, right 
well, through school, actually, um, I, I still had that first marketing firm. I, I ran that for about 12 years. So I had that even after school. Um, I tried to run, wind it down multiple times and there's just legacy clients and they were all nonprofits and saying no to a nonprofit that's doing good things is really challenging. Um, so I, I would still service them or, or have some of the team, legacy team members service them. Uh, so I had that all throughout uh, college and undergrad. Uh, right when I got to, to school, I started my first coffee shop in my dorm room. We had hours, we had menus, uh, the whole nine yards. That's how I paid for, uh, you know, activities around school and being able to go on trips and things. Um, so that was a, a side hustle, if you will. Um, but I started my first, what I call dorm room startup out of my dorm room. Uh, and I call it a dorm room startup, not because that was the you know classification, but because we had dorm room software that we sold to, uh, higher education institutions that had residential campuses. So if you lived on campus, um, you know, our software could have been used. Uh, so that was my, my startup during school. Um, immediately after that, when I graduated, I um, did some consulting uh, for a number of companies that were much larger. Uh, so outside of the, the software uh, world and did direct consulting with them, and as well as uh, I did do a very brief stint of a consulting turned employment opportunity at, at a company uh, running an e-commerce program um, that just basically did 90% of their revenue in the last two months of the year around uh, Christmas. Uh, so did that uh, very short lived for a number of reasons. Um, and then uh, did a, that's when I launched my first coffee shop right after that. Um, so that was all within like two years of uh, graduating there. That was a very busy time. I had my hand and uh, probably more things than I should have, but I had the energy um, and the ability and bandwidth at that point in my life to, to be able to do that. Uh, and then I did go work for, for someone after that for about five years uh, or six years. And uh, that was a really good experience. I, I was able to be uh, one of the first three people on the ground. So um, though I worked for someone, it felt like, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial journey, uh, just with a little bit of structure and some guardrails and uh, some great mentors in that, that really shaped most everything I know about modern day startups um, and fundraising, things like that. Um, and just that whole lifestyle and cycle and uh, what it takes. Amazing, man. So tell us, um, what are you working on now? Yeah. So right before we, we started this conversation, um, I was rushing to it. I'm working on uh, finalizing um, the, the transition out of uh, the, the company I launched back in uh, 2018, 2019 was when we publicly launched it. Uh, and so that's a really exciting uh, transition to see it move on to its next phase um, and, and watch it kind of take its wings and, and, and fly. So I'm excited about that um, and, and watching how its new new lease on life and its new direction is really going to be beneficial as it's going to be able to benefit, benefit so many sectors far more than I imagined. Um, I originally thought we could only help uh, healthcare, medical, dental, uh, and veterinary, but uh, where, where we're going, we're working on something so much bigger that's going to be able to impact uh, everything from services that you have around your house um, to uh, just so many different aspects of life. So I, I'm very excited about that. Um, and I'm also, I mean, I'm involved in a lot of things, but <laughs> the things that are taking up my, my time, that as well as um, uh, working with a company called New Chip uh, that is uh, based out of Austin. It's an accelerator and uh, they, they work with startups, helping them uh, learn what it means to be a startup. So if you've you know, got $50,000 in money in or revenue and you're just trying to figure out like, I don't know how to approach an angel. I, I asked all my friends and family and shook them for their pennies, right? 
Um, but what does a financial model look like or due diligence or a data room or uh, the right pitch deck? Um, so all the way from seed com- or pre-seed companies really all the way through series A and really helping them connect with investors. And uh, again, one of the things I mentioned a minute ago, who I keep in my life, I keep people uh, that I run alongside running mates um, that are in the same stage. Well, uh, new chip allows you to connect with other founders that are similar to you and just hold you accountable. And sometimes being a founder can be lonely. Most people don't get the ups and the downs. I mean, when you go to investors and VCs uh, literally thousands of times and you hear no, 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 or you know, your idea is foolish, or have you seen these other 50 companies that have tried and failed or your valuations out of this world? Um, and so just having some people to talk to can be really beneficial. That's amazing, man. It sounds like you're having so much fun or you're enjoying at least the process, right? Because there's a lot going on in this, especially angel VC world, right? And yes. um, guiding through that, like I dabbled in it. Um, for me, it was more about just the investment side. But for me, it was like, I didn't have time because <laughs> it's very right. time consuming, right? Like vetting all these uh, pitches and trying to just stay on top of it and do due diligence, right? Like you have no time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting that you're in it. And um, in terms of like mentors and coaches and people that you actually surround yourself with, um, you mentioned a couple good key things where you basically try to have people that have succeeded, the ones that are living presently and the ones that are kind of just starting off. Right. So mm-hmm. how did you go about surrounding yourself with those type of people and how did you pick them? Yeah. What's interesting is uh, if you look at millennials, which I, I'm a millennial, I don't know. I still have to decide if I'm a proud millennial or not, but I'm a millennial and I can't help when I was born. Um, Millennials actually are the generation uh, out of all of history since the 1900s with this uh, beginning of 1900s since the silent generation that actually want mentors more than any other generation. However, they are the uh, least likely generation to have a mentor. And and the reason being is older generations think millennials are crazy, which we we probably have a dose of that. That's probably half fair, uh, maybe a quarter fair. Um, But the, the other half of it is millennials unwilling to ask. Um, and so I think when I look for a mentor, um, it's someone maybe who's gone down the same path as I have, um, especially if it's a career mentor, but for a life mentor, it's someone that I I have seen live a life well that I want to emulate. Um, and for me, that has a number of components, including uh, faith-based components is a big one for me. They don't have to be successful at business or even successful in their career, but just have to, um, I want to see someone who's led a family well, as I'm a, a newer dad and been married uh, for a number of years now, but th- those are things that, uh, you know, have their own challenges outside of the workplace. And if uh, some people just invest all their time into work um, and don't have a healthy balance, which hurts their family, some people um, just don't know how, how that balances out. Um, and so I think finding people that align with your life, where you're at and where you're trying to go um, is important. You can always find business mentors to teach you things, but I think uh, what I'd call more of a life mentor, if that's even a thing, not quite a life coach, um, but someone that can just do life and ask you the hard questions um, and, and make sure that you're, you're on track. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because um, those are things that you want to focus on in the greater scheme of life, right? In terms of like surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals, not just for business, because people are so focused on like money and career aspirations, but they forget about what's truly important. What do you want out of life Mm -hmm. in terms of the next 40, 50, 60 years, right? And is it family? Is it 
taking care of your significant other, children, friends, you know, travel, enjoying what you have, right? Be grateful. A lot of people forget yeah. about all these other things, especially, and I think during this pandemic, a lot of people realize what truly is important, right? Mm. Um, and that's hopefully going to allow people to be less focused on chasing things, right. stuff that really doesn't really matter at the and end of the game, right? Like, really, what, what do people want? They want to be surrounded with people they really want to be with, right? Which is strong right. relationships. Talk to real people with real connection, right? Um, yeah, I, like, I love that. Um, and then in terms of, like, challenges, I, I guess you've probably encountered tons of them over the years. Uh, can you think of a couple of them that... Um, maybe mistakes or challenges that you kind of overcame and how did you go about uh, fixing the problem? Yeah, there, there's so many challenges. Um, you know, I, I think most entrepreneurs and, and I won't speak for all, all entrepreneurs, but most business people uh, that have had some outward measure of success have a mountain of failures. That's 10 times higher than any success that people see. It's kind of the iceberg effect, right? Um, and, and I think not being afraid of failures or, or, or those challenges um, those are, that's what sets uh, people apart from being able to move forward. And it doesn't mean that they, they don't get you down or they don't slow you down or they don't hurt or leave scars um, because they do. And, and I think, uh, you know, those are okay. Just depends how you deal with them. So when I think of some of the biggest challenges, I mean, I can talk about a lot of different uh, obstacles I've had to overcome, um, but looking back at all of them, if I were to categorize maybe some, one of the biggest challenges I had, um, is really understanding that everything you do in business is not about the dollar. It's not about profit. Um, it's about people. And I, people say that and they might mean it. Um, but for me, it really became true when, um, you know, every time you leave a company or you start a new company or you sell a company or buy a company, whatever it is, you're inheriting people. There might be cash flow, there might be assets, there might be uh, other things, but uh, you're inheriting people or you're encouraging people to move on. And um, uh, one of the things that I've been challenged with in the last probably seven to 10 years is, is anyone that interacts with me better off because they were on my team or part of my, my company, or I, I invested in them than they were before. Um, and, and then the first question people always ask is, well, have you ever fired someone? Yes, I have. Um, and, and unfortunately, that's just the nature that, uh, you know, sometimes it has to take for different reasons. Each case is very different and, and those are challenges, but how can you still do that well and in a loving way that's uh, investing in people? So uh, back to your question with the challenges, I think my biggest challenges have come when I forget that, when I forget that people, people are the priority because people, without people, you don't really have the profits, right? You don't have people to buy your products nor make your products or, or sell your services. So, um, you know, the, the biggest things, and I can think of some moments or some people that, uh, you know, there were moments where I did not put people first and that's, uh, ultimately, uh, I can trace failures back to those, those moments almost every time. There's very few times, uh, when, when not putting people first led to, uh, I, I said a double negative there. So let me rephrase. There's very few times I can think of where I failed, where, uh, I had put someone first. Mm. I, I loved how you, you talk about people because I'm all about relationships and I, I hire slow and I fire mm -hmm. fast, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I want to make sure that they're a good fit and they alignment with values, right? And the challenge is when you inherit people and their mm -hmm. traits and their skill set, 
it's hard because you know you basically have to absorb them and figure out if they're going to be in, in alignment with your future goals right endeavors so when you have something that is clear your vision right and they're not in alignment then you have to go seek out real people that really fits that mold right and that's the challenge a lot of people are this is their livelihood this is yep. it for them and for yep. you to say you know you have to move on it's hard you got to show some empathy you got to really feel where they're coming from but they have to also look at why you're doing it right it's just not a good fit so yeah. i totally get where you're coming from but for me it's like i've kind of just i'm just one owner and i only hire good people and they stick right and that's more important for you as a angel investor or a serial entrepreneur it's a little bit different cuz you're running it for different purposes right cuz there's other people invested in this project and you got to dictate to them right yeah um so in terms of like uh i know you mentioned about some of the challenges and failures is there any advice you would give anyone that's kind of starting off um this journey either side hustling freelancing to becoming more of a i don't know business owner um SaaS company anything that's trying to get angel investing your expertise what would you give them in terms of advice Yeah if you're trying to raise money um specifically and that's kind of the course you're on um there people fall in one of two camps they either some people are fine with giving away the whole farm to get a little bit of cash in um and some people are like no I'm going to give like 1/1 1 millionth of a percentage of my companies and I want, you know, 10 million dollars for that 1/1 millionth of a percentage. Um so I, to to both of those people I just say know what you want um in the long scheme in the long run. Um you know if you're trying to um if you're trying to make a ton of money and you want to retain as much ownership of your company as possible that's fine but also be willing and realize especially if you're a first time founder that investors are going to need the security blanket for uh for what they're putting in for the cash they're putting in and probably chances are that uh they know far more than you do um in fact if you're getting investors that don't know more than you do especially uh, in that stage where and it's a true angel and their money is one of the only money's in um you want to lean on them i think uh, as founders uh, especially younger founders um and i don't want to put all of them in a box but i was one of them so um I'll speak as a, a younger founder it's easy to be arrogant um especially when you've hit a little bit of what the world would call success um whether you know you've had a high paying salary or um you've had an exit or whatever it might be um it's really easy to not be teachable and arrogant and i would say back to your challenges question uh, a little bit ago um or obstacles i i think i am often my biggest obstacle uh especially when i was younger i i was always right <laughs> i did not take advice very well um because i i thankfully had been i had made some good decisions that looked really good so i'd always fall back on the couple successes i had characterized that by everything that i knew um and the older i get i was just talking to one of my buddies this weekend and we were sitting around a fire and i was like i feel stupider every day and i i've never had more education i've never read more books i've never been more in tune with learning and i feel more and more dumb um every morning when i wake up and i think that's probably a good place to be to some extent because it means that uh you realize that you don't know everything um and so i think that's also uh both whether you're raising money and seeking investors um or or you know another obstacle that's a big one i would also say um don't take an investor's criticism um 
lightly, um, but don't also don't build your whole company around it. I've seen people pivot their companies every single time they have a meeting and every investor has their own life view, right? They, they have their different experiences, different philosophies. So don't change your pitch deck every single time you talk to an investor. Um, and uh, I've seen too many companies do that and you're not going to raise money. Stay true to what you know, but also be willing to change and be open. If you hear the same thing four times, you probably are doing something wrong or had done a wrong path. If you hear four different things, four different times, take the value out of all of it because I believe all advice is valuable. And then everything else, uh, just stick to kind of your true north. Oh, yeah. I, I love all those things because staying grounded, understanding that you are just, a, you know, you're just starting off, right? There's way more people ultra successful, even though you think you achieve success. And what does success mean to you is completely different than someone else that maybe is, you know, 100 a thousand times more successful than you, right? Yep. Not just money-wise, but like life-wise, right? Um, because success means so many things and for so many different people, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I love that fact. And then in terms of just being, you know, just grateful for what you have, right? Like at least you have the ability to start a, a business, right? And go out and try to raise money. I would even say like, if there's a way to cater some of the messaging to who the angels are, right? Do your due diligence, find out their strength, and then cater a presentation to them to then allow for you to have more of an advantage, right? So do as much homework. Don't try to do the same pitch all the time. Yeah. Be prepared. This is sales in you, right? Like for me, I'm always trying to get, think in the head of whoever I'm going to present to and try to understand who they are, what they're you know, pros, cons, personality traits are, where do they reside, what they're looking for and answer the questions, right? Yeah. That's what I would do if I'm pitching. <laughs> Being prepared is so important. Uh, two, two stories come to mind real quick. One, uh, an interview I, I had literally earlier today with someone um, for a company I was trying to help hire some key employees. I said, so what's your favorite part about, I'll just call it company X. Uh, what's your favorite part about company X? And they're like, oh, you know, that they, they do these cool things. And it was like very generic. So I kept probing. They had no idea. I was like, they should at least be on their, if they didn't do their research, they should at least be on their computer since it was a fun interview and pulling up things on the website. That was one. The more surprising one was a, a large, very well-known, um, if I said the name, you'd probably know, uh, leader of uh, uh, organization sat, called a meeting uh, with me and he, uh, he had an agenda, which was fine. And uh, I was on board with the agenda. Uh, but we had never met before. We, we were not friends. Um, and so I sit down with him and where I'm basically getting the feeling that he didn't even go to LinkedIn or Google. Um, I mean, if you Google me, you can find at least one interesting fact, not too hard. Uh, you don't even have to click a link. Um, and, and that's fine, but knew nothing. He called the meeting because he knew I, I had something he wanted and that was it. And, and so that was, um, I mean, he, you know, with an assistant and sometimes when I leverage um, assistants or use like the service magic, um, I'll have them do executive bios on people real quick and find, you know, if there's a recent Instagram picture that they were in Cancun, like I'll, I'll mention that. Um, and exactly. it's amazing what you can find in 30 seconds about someone. Uh, so just being prepared to go back with, with what you said, John, I mean, that's critical. And I, I feel like there's a lot of people like that, that are takers in mm -hmm. life, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know if you read this book by Adam Grant, Giver or Taker. And, mm -mm. you know, the ones that are actually ultra successful are the ones that actually care, that are givers, yes. right? And I feel, 
you know, in politics, in business, in your social circle, who do you want to surround yourself with, right? People that are always grabbing things and never giving anything of value, but they want things all the time. Do you want to surround yourself with those kind of people? Or do you want to actually help people that actually are empathetic, right? Wants to share and give and help, right? That's that's life in general though, right? Um, But it says a lot about you if you surround yourself with all these other takers as well. Right? right, you're the average of the five or most people that you spend the most time mm-hmm. with, right? So yes, very true. Uh, so in terms of like technology, I know we only have a couple other questions I want to ask you. Um, how has that impacted, helped you uh, scale, grow some of your companies uh, in this VC world? Um, I, I love technology, probably to a fault. I would say find. <laughs> I'll give you the advice where I, I failed before I get into answering your question. Find the one or two tools that make you most successful and stick with them. Um, not that you can't find better tools. Uh, I have an account with probably every single new tool that's ever come out for fundraising or anything else. Um, and that's not always the, the best because then I lose things across platform. Um, so I, I think my best advice is technology makes it really easy to keep organized and search. I mean, whether you're using Google Sheets or Excel um, or Evernote, uh, as something that I would call not technology designed for fundraising, um, or you're using one of the many systems out there that can automate or, uh, you know, help you, you do that. I would just say, um, yeah, just stick with one and, and stay organized. I think the other part of it is there is a lot of automation software out there. And I probably get, I don't even know how many dozens of emails and LinkedIn requests daily from people that I've never met. Um, and uh, they are asking for money. Uh, which is fine. I mean, that that's sort of uh, assumed um, if you put investor on any anything online that that's going, you know, all of a sudden the magnets are going to come. Um, so so it's not a complaint, but it's like, hey, I'm raising money. Can you invest in my company? It's like at least do just be careful with automation software. It's you, you might catch one or two people with that. But if you really want someone to write a check that's meaningful, um, specifically when it comes to fundraising, uh, like we were talking about, 30 seconds ago, personalize it, get to know the person, say, Hey, I saw you into this school or, Hey, I just saw you voted for, or, um, we're on this trip or, you know, you root for this team or whatever it might be. Um, and, and just make that, that connection personal. Yeah. There's too many automation softwares and people rely on it to think it's going to actually help them get real appointments, real connections, yeah. real relationships. Right. But in reality, if you actually just join a community, get to know mm-hmm. people, reach out, do your due diligence, personalize, right? That one, that 30 seconds will have you way more success than weeks or, you know, thousands of outreach that is Absolutely. not personal, right? Absolutely. Because you, me, people that are busy, we want to connect with people that actually resonate which is right. someone that actually did do just like we're not stupid people, right? Like right. we actually understand how difficult it is for people to reach out to us. Let let's be honest. Like I only want to surround myself with people that actually matter, right? Yeah. So what are you bring to the table that brings value for me or my audience or whatever it is? If it doesn't, exactly. then maybe it's not a good fit, right? Exactly, and I would say. I actually leverage automation sometimes, especially when I'm fundraising, um, when I have to do rapid follow-ups in particular, um, or send out investor emails 
uh, things like that. I'll try to use personalization automation, just personalize it and make sure your personalizations yeah. are correct. Um, yeah. That's another big one. Uh, it's a big, big marketing fail. If you wanted to challenge or obstacle, I had to overcome. Uh, I had a list. I was uh, VP of marketing at a, a company uh, probably six years ago now. And we sent out a list to, I don't know, 17 to 20,000 people. And the columns were off by one. So everyone got the wrong email. Um, and that was just absolutely unacceptable. Um, but yeah. So use automation correctly. <laughs> all that to say. We redeemed it. So you got to check. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So all these little tools would be are great, but you got to make sure you test it. You got to vet it. You got to personalize and make sure that it feels like someone's going to open it. It's all about click-through rate, open rate, and you got to understand what these tools ultimately can do. Save you a lot of time, but if it's not effective, then what's yeah. the point, right? Yeah. Um, I would rather have someone manually do it if the conversion rate is a lot higher than automation, right? Right. Um, but it, right. anyways, <laughs> um, so right now, what, what drives you? Because it seems like you've been doing a lot of different things. You're exiting right now on one project. Um, you're an angel for others and you're still in this VC world and fundraising. So what are your kind of near goals, vision, emissions, and, you know, the next five years, for instance? Yeah. So my, my mission hasn't changed in over like 15 years. Um, and, and I wrote it at a conference uh, a long time ago, and it was the idea to inspire others towards a positive change. Um, and that uh, hasn't really changed ever. Um, it's evolved in how it's applied, uh, whether that's inspiring people personally, um, professionally, help through a company, through a brand, whatever that might be. And so, so my overarching life goal is that, um, just to inspire others towards a positive change. So my current role at New Chip, we, we train startups how to be better and help them get from launch to exit. And, and so that's a way that our curriculum, our tools can help inspire those founders who, if they're not struggling yet when, with fundraising, they will at some point, we, we can help inspire them. So um, every, every decision I make, every step I, I, I take, I try to follow that in my life. Um, at this point, I'm just having fun and um, any opportunity that comes my way, I'll, I'll at least say, yes, I'll have a conversation. Um, and, and that's just something I, I enjoy doing. You never know whether that's a, a big thing or a small thing here or there. Um, any, any opportunity that seems like it aligns with that mission. Uh, let me qualify that. Uh, I, I definitely pursue, I, I always keep my hobbies going. So I love craft beverages, uh, coffee, beer, tea, wine, whiskey, nice. um, cocktails, you name it, uh, wine in particular, I'm a sommelier. I own a couple of wine bars um, with a, a partner of mine. So, uh, you know, there, uh, that's something I'll always keep doing. And probably you'll see a couple more pop up over, over my lifetime um, as a, just a side project. Um, but other than that, it just kind of going and, and pursuing that mission and, and putting people first, because uh, you know, I, I I'm to the point where I'm not trying to, um, I've achieved what I felt feel like I wanted to achieve from a, you know, fight and do this and grind. And I just want to have fun and work and hopefully apply some of the things I've learned to help others. That's awesome, man. I, I love that attitude. It seems like you're living life. You're enjoying the process, the journey. And um, last kind of question I wanted to ask you, um, pillars right now, it seems like your career is in good standing. What about family, health, community and others? What, what's really important for you? 
Yeah. So my, my first, um, uh, priority, uh, so pillar, you can call them pillars if you want. Um, I, I look at them a little bit as priority. So one in front of another, um, but first for me is my faith. Uh, that is the most important thing. It takes precedent over anything else that I do. Um, I'm not traveling as much as I did. I was on the road weekly, um, but it was always a priority uh, to be home uh, on the weekends. Um, and that was just something that I'd committed because number two was, was my wife. Uh, three is uh, my family. Um, and then everything else kind of falls below that. Um, and before business, which is number five, number four would be um, people and friends and acquaintances, then, then five would be business. Um, and that's when, when I find my priorities are aligned, or, or if you want to use the pillar analogy, when your pillars are standing up straight and, and not tilted one way or another, even you know a quarter inch at the bottom, look at the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? It doesn't take a lot to, to offset it. Um, when everything's aligned, or for me in that sequence, in that order, things go really, really well. And, and I can tell you, um, the one, it takes one day to get a little, little off kilter, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're building this kind of course that's leaning. Um, and it doesn't take long, especially when you're busy. Um, you know, I just came off a trip where I, I did, uh, and I used to be able to do it all the time, but it was three 18 hour days in a row, you know, leave at 3am on a plane, do 18 hour days, three days in a row and come back, you know, at 1am. Um, and, uh, that <laughs> those types of scenarios really get you off kilter. Um, and not that good things don't happen, but if you don't kind of reset and rest, um, and I think that's the other big thing I've learned recently, um, before COVID, um, but I think a lot of people have been learning it in COVID and it's a valuable lesson is we need to rest, uh, as human beings. And it doesn't mean be lazy. I think there's a big difference there. Um, but sometimes we just need to take time to pause. Um, and that's why I like mentoring as well, because when you reflect on what you've done, um, even if you're with somebody else, you're still pausing, right? You're pausing for moving forward and you're reflecting on what you've done and you're able to share uh, the good, bad, and usually the ugly with, with uh, your mentee. That's awesome, man. It sounds like you're just, you know, being positive, right? Present now, because when you're running, and it, and it seemed like the last couple of years you were, but during this pandemic, it allowed you to really reflect and figure out what's truly important, why you're doing this, right? And being grateful. I think um, once you kind of figure out why you're doing things, uh, the, the main purpose of it all, then you'll actually live a happier, more fulfilled life. Um, and, you know, you'll wake up and energize, you'll sleep better because you'll, you'll have more clarity, Right. Um, But without that in mind, like people are just chasing, they're, you know, trying to figure out what, what's next. How am I going to make the next, you know, next jump or a career move or, you know, buy my next car or whatever it is. Right. So you just got to slow down and figure out like what, why ultimately. So I love that. Um, So I really appreciate uh, all our discussions, Ryan. How can some of our listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I'm pretty easy to, to find online, uh, good, bad, or not. Uh, just search Ryan Vet in Google. Uh, you'll find my website. Uh, all my social profiles are Ryan C. Vet. Um, and pretty much, like I said, I collect accounts. So yeah, even some of the more obscure social media channels, I probably do have them. Uh, might not be active on them. But uh, yeah, so Ryan C. Vet uh, on any Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, and then ryanbent.com or anywhere else online. I'm sure you can find uh, resources, books, 
um, came out with a book last year called Cracking the Millennial Code on, on the Generations uh, and have another one in the works coming out late 2021. So it's still uh, a ways away, but called uh, The Million Dollar Lemonade Stand. There you go. That's awesome, man. Looking forward to that book. Well, thanks a lot, Ryan. It was a lot of fun. Um, so thanks all the listeners for joining us today and please subscribe. And um, thanks a lot, Ryan, for ha- being on our show. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Please subscribe to Local SEO Today and tune in to our next episode.